When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. World Wrestling Federation proudly presents WrestleMania! WWF champion Ric Flair defends the title against the number one contender, the Macho Man, Randy Savage. The maniacal Sid Justice goes one-on-one with the immortal Hulk Hogan in what could prove to be Hulk Hogan's farewell match. It's a double main event. It's WrestleMania! Yeah! Nah. This is WrestleMania Rewind on Mackie and Judd. And this is the time where Judd always leaves the studio conveniently <laughs> to avoid WrestleMania Rewind. So it's Declan and myself, Phil Mackie. I like to think he still goes home and watches it just in secrecy. Yeah, I've, I've given him my login for WWE Network. I don't know what his deal is. Oh, like, he'll man. watch Law & Order for 10 hours, but he can't, right. watch, he can't watch WrestleMania 14 with Stone Cold. And Mike Tyson? Judd, man. So we're, we're making our way, and this started with our friend Rami Makhlouf on Score North Live uh, several weeks back. And so the three of us, and now just the two of us, have been going through, one by one, all of the WrestleManias in history. We are up to WrestleMania 8. Quick summary, and then we'll dive into the different categories and some of our favorite and least favorite parts. So... This, by the way, was the first WrestleMania that young Phil Mackey ever watched live. Oh, cool. My mom surprised me. I can't remember. It was probably, I'm guessing it was a Sunday. It was, uh, it was April 5th, 1992. And she, was, she had picked me up like from my dad's place or something. We're driving. And, and she said, you know what tonight is, right? WrestleMania. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And she goes, guess what? I ordered it for you. And so she like surprised me. I walked in. So I got to watch WrestleMania wow. for the first time live. It was, it was great. It took place inside the Indiana Hoosier Dome. A crowd of 62,000 country star Reba McIntyre sang the national (laughs) anthem. And the main storylines, the two main storylines were Ric Flair versus Macho Man Randy Savage for the WWF title. Ric Flair allegedly had an affair with Macho Man's wife. Storyline affair with Miss Elizabeth. And it all turned out to be just Ric Flair. It all turned out to be BS, but... Flair was promising to unveil photos in front of a national audience. He won the title at the 1992 Royal Rumble by outlasting 29 other competitors. And so this match was for the WWF title. The other main event was Hulk Hogan versus Sid Justice. And the backstory is this. This is from our friend, uh, loyal listener, Mike McGivern. But the Flair-Hogan matchup was supposed to potentially headline WrestleMania. You had... Hogan, the biggest star of the WWF throughout the 80s and early 90s, and Ric Flair, the biggest star of the NWA. 
but they had a series of house shows, non-televised matches that just didn't really draw well. Uh, Vince McMahon maybe deliriously thought that it hadn't drawn because of the matchup, but in reality, the company was in hot water because of federal drug trafficking charges, negative press over Hulk Hogan's bungled Arsenio Hall steroid interview, uh, sex scandals, and all kinds of different things. And so there were just a bunch of shadows over the WWF at the time. Hulk Hogan was leaving the WWF shortly after the show because he and McMahon couldn't be associated with each other with all of the FBI heat on them with steroids. And even though McMahon put the title on flair, he didn't want Hogan losing to someone who was seen as an NWA or WCW guy at WrestleMania. There's also a theory that uh, Vince McMahon was bending over backward to appease Hulk Hogan because he wanted Hogan to potentially vouch for him in any sort of court testifying. Wow. So a lot to unpack with the double main event here. Declan, what was your favorite part about WrestleMania 8? My my favorite part actually was just the pace of the entire event. So there's so many of these WrestleManias in the first seven that can just really drag on from the beginning or the middle before you get your main event. None of these matches outside of the Savage and Flair match, which of course was going to go long, you knew that, none of these matches went really over 10, 12 minutes. And I liked the pace. It was very, it was quick. It was, it hit everything very well. And also you start, I started to see the guys that, again, I grew up watching. You know, Shawn Michaels is now outside the rocker. So now he's doing his own thing with Sensational Sherry. The Undertaker has already been starting to get established. It's him and Jake Roberts. Bret Hart finally gets a, a little bit more of, of some title card. Mm-hmm. I think the pub and then also the pace was really exciting about WrestleMania 8. Because going into it, I kind of was like lackluster, but. Turned out, I was very, I was surprised with how how good the card was by the end of it. Yeah, I think I would say my favorite part was probably just the whole Ric Flair and Randy Savage storyline because you you had two of the greatest in ring performers of all time and two very different styles too. Randy Savage loved to plan out everything in a match from front to back, like literally both guys memorizing every single punch and move for twenty minutes. And Ric Flair was more of a feel it out in the ring, kind of just call it in the ring. Hey, we know we have to do this at the end and we have to do this and this in the middle somewhere, but let's just feel out the crowd and kind of yeah. kind of go from there. And so I'd love to hear more of the backstory. Ric Flair actually wrote about this in his autobiography about just how it was kind of a pain in the ass sometimes to wrestle against like Randy Savage because and other guys like that who wanted to plan everything out. But you also had two of the best actors and storytellers too. For sure. And and even though Miss Elizabeth was kind of a garbage actor, like the fact that they had all these different storylines, you had the championship storyline, Macho Man coming back from losing a retirement match the year before storyline, you had uh, the affair storyline, and then you also had the storyline of top WWE stars in Hogan throughout the year, and then and then Macho Man squaring off against the top NWA star in. Ric Flair over here. And so like Ric Flair had been wrestling main events at the top of the NWA since the early 1980s. It was him and it was Dusty Rhodes and Harley Race and Ricky Steamboat and all these legendary, like all these star, Starcade was basically the WrestleMania of NWA throughout the 80s. And so I just thought it was really cool to see Ric Flair coming down the aisle at a WrestleMania for the first time. And that feud spilled over into the summer too. Cause I remember as a kid, like I went to target center sometime that summer and those guys main evented at a oh, house really? show. They just they carried the feud over all the way through uh, the summer. But I would say my favorite part was just the whole the Ric Flair, Randy Savage, the promos by those guys too, oh. just ridiculous. Excellent. He'll be claiming it all. 
And most of all, you'll be claiming the love of that Jezebel, Elizabeth. Now, Savage, unlike a lot of people in the greatest sport of them all, we don't cry over spilt milk. We reassemble a team. The money, the brains, the nucleus. And we say to our opponent, you didn't want now. Let's see you do it again. This is what makes you tick from the inside out. And I just took a piece of you. You haven't been beat up properly. Yeah, this isn't all I want from you, Ric Flair. I want the whole nature boy. I want the whole Flair package. Call yourself the real World Wrestling Federation champion. Well, I guess I am now. And what you did to Elizabeth, I guess you couldn't make me any madder than I was before I went into the ring. But somehow, you did it. You made it possible, yeah. You made it possible. Now I'm going to get the rest of them. I don't care if it's in the street, parking lot, doesn't mean it matter to me, yeah. Because I'll do anything to win. If I didn't prove it, I'll prove it next time. Oh, yeah. Let's go. That was after the match. Yeah. That's the promo after the match, Correct, setting yeah. up this thing going forward. What was your least favorite part about WrestleMania 8? That's a, that's a good one because... I was trying to figure out what honestly was the least favorite part. I didn't. I didn't like. I'm not a big uh, Tanaka guy. It, it doesn't. He doesn't do much for me. It's pretty racist. Yeah, it kind of is. What like his his it's setup? Just, yeah, yeah, yeah. The whole it, thing. It, it, it's it's really bad. Um, honestly, I didn't have a really a least favorite part because of how much I liked the pace and all the wrestlers that were involved for the most part. I I was trying to go back and think about what was a, a least favorite part of it. I was surprised by how good Sid Justice was. I did forget how honestly money Sid Justice was. I thought that was going to be kind of a crapshoot main event. I was wrong. I expect there's going to be a barn burner. No! Uh, shut up, you fat, bald-headed little oaf! Now you, Hogan! A barn burner it won't be! It is going to be your last match, and I will see to that. I have already made that promise to you, Hogan. As I leave this dressing room, and I stand in the ring, and you walk down that aisle, you remember one thing, that I am the master! But the learner, Hogan. You are but the learner. Being able to handle happiness within my personal life and happiness on a professional level has been one of the greatest accomplishments that I could brag about. So when I talk about letting all that go, putting all that in jeopardy by saying, yes, this is my last match, or by even let, letting someone influence me, such as Sid Justice, saying, Hulk Hogan, I'm going to make sure this is your last match. All of those thoughts I put out of my head. I'm the only one that can make that decision, Vince McMahon. And right now, I have to tell you, at WrestleMania, I just won't know until I come out of the ring. So on the Sid front, Sid, I think Sid is looked at as kind of, as you look back 20 years now, now that we've had, you know, well, it's been almost 30 years since this WrestleMania. I think he's remembered for three things. One for breaking his leg gruesomely coming off the top rope. Have you ever seen the clip of Sid no. breaking his shin in half? Oh, coming off the no. top rope? It's pretty no, gross. I don't want to see it. He also one time, I believe, soiled his trunks oh. in the rim in the ring one time. Yeah, it'll happen. So he's, he's known for a couple of those weird things. And for just having these like roid rage, psychotic promos. <laughs> but I will say, to your point, there was a time where he was one of the peak performers in WWF and then for even a little bit inside uh, WCW. Yeah. And, and, and his powerbomb finisher, we, we had this era where in the, in the mid-80s, like not a lot of guys had finishers. Then like, Hulk Hogan had the leg drop and Macho Man had the elbow off the top and Jake Roberts had the DDT. But they're all kind of basic moves. Like, those are just basic moves that are used in wrestling, like a DDT and stuff. Sid came along with the powerbomb. And I'm not sure if he's the one that invented the powerbomb, but he's the one that, like, coined it as a finisher in the early 90s. Okay. 
and any power bombs Hogan at the end of this match, and Hogan goes into like the convulsing, <laughs> like fake <laughs> acting convulsing mode. And so I think I think Psycho Sid actually deserves a lot of credit for bringing one of the first legit big time finishing moves, like devastating finishing moves, into WWF. It was always hilarious watching Sid wrestle against these jobbers on like Saturday morning or these house shows. They'd just bring in like, all right, it's Rick Stamps, you know, and he'd be like scrawny guy in a singlet. And Sid would choke slam these guys through the mat and just destroy them with the power bomb and break their necks. Um, and so I, I do think he deserves credit for being like a finishing move pioneer in the early 1990s. I mean, the dude checked in at six nine three seventeen. I mean, that's a <laughs> big cat. Like that's a pretty big dude. So like you, you saw, you saw similar to like Undertaker, right? Like you saw this big guy who could do big things, but but I think I do think Undertaker was more athletically gifted than Sid Justice was, and we all we all know that. But yeah, I I forgot just how honestly money he was on the mic and in the ring because a lot of these big guys they can be one trick ponies, yeah. and Sid Justice was not that. So I, I remember him from afar. I remember who he was. I, I'd recognize. I think I'd recognize him if he walked in a room. I feel like six nine three seventeen with that You'd feel curly it. blonde hair. Even today in twenty twenty, at uh, fifty nine years old, I would still be able to recognize who he is. Yeah. But I was I was shocked that how good that main event was because going into it, I don't I don't know if you teased me that like hey this one might be a little bit of a snoozer compared to what we've seen from the first peak WrestleManias and the first seven. So I kind of had tempered expectations, but by the end of it, I loved it. I really did love so, it. Yeah, eight has. So here's my my least favorite part. I'm actually opposite of you. I actually my least favorite part about this whole card was the main event for this okay. reason. It's one of the most famous and worst botched endings in wrestling oh, history. Yeah, yeah. So what what was supposed to happen at the end of this? So Papa Shango, who people might re- remember even more, he was, he was this like this voodoo bad guy from the early '90s. <clears throat> Excuse me. His most famous feud was against the Ultimate Warrior, and he would like use his voodoo spells to make like black liquid run down the forehead of wrestlers. It was this weird, it wow. was, it was interesting, but it was weird. And then he eventually became the Godfather in the attitude era. Oh, Papa Shango is the Godfather. Really? He, he, they repackaged him and he became the Godfather in like 1998, somewhere in there. I did not know that. So what was supposed to happen because huh. they didn't want, if Hulk Hogan was leaving the company, first and foremost, they didn't want him winning the championship off Ric Flair. So, like, they, they couldn't have it be a champion. They didn't want him to take the championship with him because they wanted this to be his last match for a while while he got away from wrestling. And so they were trying to figure out a way to put Sid Justice over but not have him beat Hogan clean so they could do a happy, you know, WrestleMania ending. And so they they came up with this disqualification finish. Papa Shango was supposed to come down and interfere at the very end. So Hogan was supposed to drop the leg and he was going to go for the pin, and then Papa Shango was supposed to come in and like wipe out Hulk Hogan. The match ends in disqualification, and then Warrior comes in for the save. Got it. What happened was Papa Shango missed his cue or something, and so if you watch this back, Papa Shango, like what happens is Hogan drops the leg, he goes to pin Psycho Sid, and everyone realizes in the ring, Psycho Sid, Hogan, the referee, and Harvey Whippleman all realize, oh my God, Papa Shango's not down here yet. So the ref counts one, two, and Psycho Sid kicks out of Hogan's finisher. Right. Harvey Whippleman, the manager, gets up on the apron to try and cause a scene. And the referee, like, counts to two. And, like, as Psycho Sid is kicking out, he kind of, the referee kind of gets up and they're, they're all kind of trying to figure out, like, oh my God, what, what do we, we do? do? Yeah. And the announcers, rather than focusing on, holy crap, someone just kicked out of Hulk Hogan's finisher. 
they focus on like, oh, Harvey Whippleman's up on the apron right now. And then they cut to Papa Shango, who's halfway. Maybe he underestimated how long of a walk it yeah, was. Yeah, it was, it was a haul. This long ramp. And he's kind of like sheepishly walking down the ramp with his look on his face like, oh, my God, I just screwed up the ending of WrestleMania. So he comes in, and then Ultimate Warrior comes in for the save. But it was just such a weird, like, it, if you watch it the first time, it doesn't feel super botched. But when you read about the ending and what was supposed to happen, it's one of the most botched endings in wrestling history. I also thought Hulk Hogan looked noticeably leaner, not shockingly, because yeah. he's probably not on steroids going into this match. A lot, lot leaner Hulk Hogan. But why not? Why not, if you could go back and do it again, yeah. the Flair Savage stuff was so great. Yeah. That's the, for the championship. And at the end, like we played those promos, those guys are fired up to continue the feud. They're both at the top of their game. Like Rick, they're both kind of coming down the other side a little bit, but they're both like peak performers. Yeah. Why not end WrestleMania with those two guys? I think it's because Vince McMahon was just so hooked on Hulk Hogan. Yeah. And couldn't get away from Hulk Hogan as the main eventer. So. Yeah. I, I didn't. I don't like a WrestleMania ending in a DQ, right? I mean, that's pretty it whack. It is weird. Yeah. yeah. It, it, I, and I didn't know the Papa Shango part of it that, that kind of botched it. So every, and, you know, you got to improvise in that moment and kind of good on the commentators to try to stir away because everyone at, outside of the five people that are literally in the ring or commentating, they're the ones who really know what's going on, right? I mean, the crowd has no idea. The audience really has no idea unless you were like an insanely trained WWF nerd, yeah. maybe like Phil Mackey was. There weren't internet dirt sheets at yeah. that time, right? There, there was no Reddit threads posting what was going <laughs> to happen and whatnot. So I did not know that, but it it, it, it is a little bit of a sour grapes that a, a WrestleMania ends in a DQ. Yeah. I'd have to go see him, and we'll, and we'll eventually plow through all of them, but I don't know if there's been a botched finish at a WrestleMania quite like that one. For sure. So, um, other observations from this WrestleMania, I thought we had, even though the WWE was in the middle because you had the AIDS pandemic in the early 90s and the WWE was in the middle of a no blood period, which they've had at oh, various yes. points, Yeah, you had two amazing uses of blood, even though Vince McMahon was furious about at least the Ric Flair one. Bret Hart, the whole Bret Hart, Roddy Piper stuff, oh. like the whole story was great. You had Roddy Piper... Uh, he was going to bash Bret Hart's brains in with the bell, and then he thinks twice about it because he, he's friends with Bret Hart, and it's like the storytelling was amazing. But the use of blood in that match, and then Ric Flair, just like every time Ric Flair's in a big match, there's just, it's classic like Ric Flair bloodbath. Yeah, yeah, yeah. His blonde hair's all disheveled <laughs> and full of blood. So I thought that was amazing. I thought the use of blood in those two matches, in both title matches, was was awesome in WrestleMania. That's hilarious. I I enjoyed that both um, Hart brothers were in their own match. Obviously, Owen Hart just had a quick, oh, right. had, had a quick one right before the main event. Um, but getting to see Bret Hart, even though I, I loved the Hart Foundation with him and Anvil, it you really do see you know the best there is, best there ever was moniker with him because the dude can flat out wrestle. And then you have someone like Roddy, who obviously is great on the mic, and and I think his his in ring performance gets a little underappreciated because of how good he was on the microphone, but the guy could wrestle really well too. Um, he was very lean too. Yeah. He's like not a lot of muscle match. Just, no. It's kind of like skinny tan Roddy Piper. Yeah. I, I was a big fan. So I, I like that Bret Hart was involved and Shawn Michaels is my all time favorite. So finally getting to see him as the true heartbreak kid with sensational Sherry um, coming out to the ring with his 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 uh, heartbreak sexy kid boy music song sang by and, Sherry and Sherry sang it the first couple of years and yeah. then eventually they cut a Shawn Michaels version which of is it. just great that Shawn Michaels <laughs> was just like you know what I'll sing my own version which is hilarious but yeah I I loved all of the guys that were involved in it um it was it was a good mania man I loved it what was the match here's a, another category for us here the match that stole the show for you so not not the 
It's a double main event. Let's take the double main event sure. off the board. The match that stole the show for you. And I, I think the obvious answer is probably the Intercontinental Championship match. So yeah. I'm going to take that off the board, too. Okay. So outside of those three, two main events and Intercontinental title match, what other match stole the show for you? I, I, I think the Michaels versus Tito Santana was great because it was a great start to WrestleMania. I think you got to be, you can't put a snooze fest to start. So I know they had a dark card match with the Bushwhackers beforehand. But, uh, against, but uh, the, against the Beverly Brothers, yeah. who I believe the Beverly Brothers were from the state of Minnesota. I know at least one of them was married to my kindergarten teacher when I was like five years old. That's, I don't know if it was Bo or Blake, but one of them was married to my kindergarten Yeah, build from Chicago and Minneapolis, of there course, because everyone in AWA is either filled from Minneapolis or Chicago from that, from that time period. Uh, I think the Shawn Michaels versus... Tito Santana match was great. You see, you saw really lean, small. I, I know Shawn Michaels from like 97 pre-first retirement, uh, lost my smile to end of Shawn Michaels' career with Undertaker. So even though he was still a really good performer for his age, I didn't really get to see him at his peak when, you know, in his early 20s, early to mid 20s. So getting to see him actually be able to move as quick as he did and was and was a lot more leaner. I thought that was really cool to see. So I, I would say Shawn Michaels, the first match to start, man, was the best. I agree. I feel like. I think this is like the second or third time that Tito Santana led off a of WrestleMania to that point because he was part of Strike Force. Okay, and Strike Force led off a of WrestleMania. He's like the Tito Santana is like the reliable, hey, upbeat energy. He's a pro. He's going to come in and the crowd's going to be awake after the first match because he's just awesome. And and Shawn Michaels with just like his whole aura. This was this was the gateway for Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart to take off and essentially take the torch for the company, 1993, 94, 95. Yeah. We're going to get to WrestleMania 10 oh, in a couple wait. weeks, God, which we're... is the, the famous ladder match with Razor Ramon. Yep. Um, so I'm with you on that one. I think, I think the opening match stole the show. Some other things that stood out to me, one of the great gimmicks of all time, Money Incorporated tag team with uh, Ted DiBiase, the Million Dollar Man, and IRS, Erwin R. Scheister is one of the, like, evil tax guy with the briefcase is hilarious to me. <laughs> it, I just love me some Erwin R. Scheister. He reminded me of um, from Right to Censor. Uh, who was it off the top oh, of my head? Uh, um, Steven Richards? Stevie Richards. Yeah, yeah. yeah he yeah. reminded me of him a lot. I thought it was him to start. I was like, is that Steven Richards? Um, but yeah, he reminds me a lot of the Right to Censor guys. So I'm going to blow your mind right now. Erwin R. Scheister is Mike Rotunda. That's his, that's his name in uh, real life. His son, do you know who his, his, actually he has two sons in the, the, I don't think one's in there anymore. One that is very prominent in the WWE. Can you guess who IRS's son is? Can you give me a hint? Is there any any type of. I'll give you one. I'll give you one of the sons was Bo Dallas. Remember Bo Dallas? I don't. I don't remember Bo Dallas. Do you believe that guy? I don't know if I remember him. Just kind of a low card guy. Okay. His other son has fought at or near the top of the card for like six years. He looks a lot like Roman Reigns, but he's not. I know it's not Roman Reigns. He his Erwin R. Seister's look looks nothing like his son's look. OK, you would not be able to like if they stood next to each other, you would not be able to tell. OK, who is it? Bray Wyatt. What? <laughs> IRS is Bray Wyatt's dad. I love me some Bray Wyatt. I did not. Oh, my God. I did not know that. Now I'm looking at photos and now actually and now there's a ton of resemblance. So I can completely yeah, if, see if, it. If you shaved all the, the beard off and stuff. Right. It's uh, it looks a little bit closer. I think Bray is also one of the better gimmicks right now too in the in the WWE yeah. that they got going for him. That's hilarious. I did not know that. Another least favorite part for me of WrestleMania eight. So one year after main eventing WrestleMania seven and having traded on his country and joining joining 
opposing military forces to try and take down the United States and Hulk Hogan. Sergeant Slaughter is just like back with the United States yeah. and he's on the good guy tag team. Right. Like that guy should be in jail yeah. for everything he did leading up to WrestleMania seven. Clearly they had such bad backlash from the press and honestly, rightfully so probably um, for how they handled that. that they, I don't think they had any other option to just be like, all right, we messed up. He's an American. He's a soldier. <laughs> yeah, you know, we're, no, we're, he's a G.I. Joe. I'm just, sorry. Yeah. We, we screwed. It's one of the few times I think McMahon probably just realized, crap, I actually screwed up, <laughs> which I'm sure he has like never publicly said. But I think it behind the scenes, he was like, oh, Craig, we, we, we need to go back to America with Sergeant Slaughter. That's so, a good point. That was though. weird. Super weird. And also how what also because Ultimate Warrior comes down in the main event, right? Yeah. He just comes running out at the end full of steroids. And, <laughs> yeah. But he's I mean, that's his only pub there too he wasn't in a match i believe in wrestlemania 8 right no he was not in fact i have let's move to the fun facts from listener mike mcgivern portion of this podcast oh yeah because he has a note about ultimate warrior here i'm just going to read through some of these notes and you can stop me as you wish coming out of losing the retirement match at wrestlemania 7 against ultimate warrior randy savage was set to be a full-time announcer and vince mcmahon had no plans to use him as a wrestler So, so savage had moved on to the next phase of his career Ultimate Warrior was still the number two babyface in the company behind Hulk Hogan throughout early 1991, but when the British Bulldog got injured, Warrior saw it as an excellent opportunity to to negotiate and get more money for fewer dates worked since he knew Vince McMahon needed him more than ever. Think about that, like, opportunistic. Yeah. Uh, The company's in shambles, and uh, I'm going to try and hold Vince McMahon over the coals for more money and fewer dates. And weird, like, I I personally like British Bulldog a lot, but... Kind of weird to use British Bulldog as like a mostly who was a mid card guy at best and was mostly a really a lower card guy with this dude with a literal bulldog that would walk out who was just super jacked. Weird that he would use British Bulldog as his leverage to me. Yeah. So while Vince McMahon did need Ultimate Warrior, he did sign Sid Vicious from WCW and was going to push him as the number two baby face behind Hulk Hogan. So he didn't need Ultimate Warrior as badly as Warrior might have thought. McMahon was astute enough to get the locker room to turn on the unpopular Warrior by saying Warrior had held him up. And this is reportedly true that Warrior before SummerSlam 1991, so this is after WrestleMania 7, had held up Vince McMahon for $500,000 extra dollars, or you wasn't going to wrestle at. Uh, I think what was going to happen is Warrior was going to wrestle Slaughter or something at WrestleMania. Uh, I can't remember the exact details, but he was going to no show the SummerSlam main event. Oh, it was going to be Hogan Warrior versus Slaughter and. Uh, and all of Slaughter's little, like, like General Adnan okay. and Colonel Mustafa yeah. with Sid Justice as the special guest referee. Warrior was fired immediately after SummerSlam for holding Vince McMahon up for $500,000. And unfortunately, Sid Justice got hurt right after that. So they were just, they, Warrior was fired. Sid Justice was hurt. So McMahon was left without Bulldog, Justice, or Warrior. And despite having plans for Bret Hart, he knew Bret Hart wasn't quite ready for a top spot. So with WWE really short on guys, he turned to Randy Savage to come back out of retirement and be one of the top acts in the company again. It's, so that's how that's how Savage came out from the retirement match. Got it. It's remarkable how like power hungry and creative control that Vince McMahon strangles out of his own business. Like I get it. I get it to a degree. I know what he's trying to do, but there were so many guys that were ready to take those next steps like Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels I know was on the cusp, but like to just bring back to get, the, get to get the band back together essentially to bring back guys like Randy Savage who was still great but honestly like you had guys in the pipeline that were ready to go yeah and think about like the undercard here so the matches that weren't for a champion well I'm, I'll include Bret Hart in here but the non main event matches and just the future groundwork being laid here Undertaker 
against old Jake Roberts, so future. That was great. You know, both good and bad guy for the company. Shawn Michaels, you had Bret Hart. Owen Hart was a major, not top, but like second tier star for the next six years or so until oh, yeah. his death. Yep. Right. And so you really had like the the WWE was really really in bad shape from like 1993 through 1996, and and part of that was because WCW had popped up and. Um, and the WWE just like kept going with this cartoonish sort of, instead of switching to more of a reality based product, they were still going with like doink the clown type product, which (laughs) we're going to get to WrestleMania nine next week. And that is peak bad WWE period. (laughs) So bad. It's the worst WrestleMania. It's like one of the two worst WrestleManias of all time. Awesome. But it's going to be glorious. Uh, but it is interesting looking at sort of the, the percolation of some of these stars that became much bigger in a year or two down the road. Um, another fun fact: They did do a vignette promoting Lex Luger at this yeah, WrestleMania. That's right. That's right. Lex Luger coming over from WCW. He was going to be the centerpiece of Vince McMahon's World Bodybuilding Federation, which turned out to be a complete train wreck. And then Lex Luger was going to be the big guy, babyface that took over for Hulk Hogan, and that also turned out to be mostly a train wreck in 1994-1995. All right, definitive main event rankings. Yeah, that's right. Yep. So to this point, we have, and this is this is a double main event. So we're gonna put we're gonna put both of these main event matches on this ranking. Okay. So right now our rankings go: the number one main event so far is Warrior versus Hogan from WrestleMania six, Hogan versus Savage from WrestleMania five, Hogan versus Andre from WrestleMania three, Hogan Slaughter from WrestleMania seven, Savage DiBiase from WrestleMania four, the tournament. The WrestleMania 1 tag team main event with uh, Hogan, Mr. T versus Orndorff and Piper. And then the the bottom one is Hogan versus King Kong Bundy, WrestleMania 2. So where would you put both main events? You can rank them separately, obviously. Sure. I would probably put, I'd put Savage and Flair right below Hogan versus Savage from WrestleMania, what was that, 6? Okay. So I'd put it, I put it, I put that one third in terms of my main event rankings. I put that one probably third. So you're saying Hogan versus Savage is WrestleMania five, five. Yeah. So you're putting it third. Yep. Correct. Okay. So, and then I'd probably put Sid and Hogan. I I would put that probably fourth or fifth slotted right behind it. Um, or, or probably like fifth. I don't think I can put it right next to the, cause, cause obviously Hogan versus Ric Flair or, 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 or excuse me, Savage versus Flair. A lot, a lot of moving parts here. Um, I can't put it above there. So I'd probably put, I'd go three and six is what I would do respectively. So I'm going to, and I'm, I would put Savage Flair higher, but probably not above Hogan Warrior. Yeah. So if we could compromise and put Savage Flair number two on this list. Okay. And I initially had Hogan Sid last, but I I will compromise again first. Like, I, I don't have to put him last. I don't think it was as bad as the Bundy one. I don't. I don't think so. I mean, they had a cage. King, at least there True. was a cage being fought True. in. But I would say, uh, I would say, it, uh, WrestleMania one and two, like those are the the, the worst two main events <laughs> yeah. at this point. Like True. they just are. Yeah, we can just keep them cemented at the bottom. So if we can compromise and uh, and move that Savage Flair one up a little bit, and then put Hogan Sid down one from where you had it, that would make our rankings: Warrior Hogan from WrestleMania six, number one; Savage Flair from WrestleMania seven, number two. And Hogan Savage WrestleMania five as our top three main events to this point. I think that's a pretty, pretty consensus top three from what we've seen so far. Okay. I think if I think most wrestling nerds would agree. Uh, what is your 
Stunner ranking here. One through ten Stone Cold Stunners. How would you rate this WrestleMania? I, I would give it, I know I, I, I pumped up the pace, and I liked a lot that the guys were the guys that I saw growing up were starting to get, get some pull. I'd probably give it a seven. A seven Stone Cold Stunner. Going in, I was, I was, I was thinking it was going to be just a four or five and kind of just be an average or a snooze fest. But I, I'd say it was a seven. Um, I don't think it did anything that was so remarkable that makes it an epic mania, like that would garner an eight ranking or above. Yeah. But I think it was, I think it did enough for it to be a seven. So I'm 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 going seven and a half. I'm kind of with sure. you on this one. I think if they had flip flopped the double main events, if they had had the cojones to put Macho and Flair at the end, True. it's like, hey, this is a new generation of WWF here. We're we're launching into a new era here. These two guys, I think I would have put it higher. Um, but I think really like. Even like the Owen Hart scare, like every match had some sort of historical meaning, except for maybe right. Tatanka versus Rick Martel. Yeah, like every match had had either Hall of Famers or future Hall of Famers or some combination of it. It was just a really interesting transition period of the roster. Uh, one last final thing here: when Skinner spit in the face of Owen oh, Hart at the beginning of the match, yeah, is that not one of the most disgusting things you've ever seen? Yeah, it was just it, I cannot what believe was, that happened. Was that actual tobacco? It looked pretty disgusting. Oh, I think it was. I bet it was. I bet 100% for 1992, it, it totally was probably tobacco. Oh. It's so gross. I, I think, and final thing that I noticed, too, is when it showed the, obviously, in Indiana at their dome, I had Metrodome vibes to me. Like, oh, it's the dome. Like, honestly, I, for, yeah, for like a brief yeah. second, I was like, oh, it's the Metrodome. And like, oh, wait, no, they never came here. But that had a lot of Metrodome vibes from the, from the crowd and, when, and the way the roof looked. We need to get a WrestleMania here at some point. Oh. U.S. Bank Stadium. It was supposed to happen, and then I think there was some leaked news that pissed off Vince McMahon. Exactly. So. God, there, there is something. That man, I mean, he's one of the most, well, yeah, he's one of the most successful businessmen that's ever been there. But but for God's sakes, McMahon, give us a WrestleMania. Exactly. Please do. We, I mean, half of the stars are from Minnesota or spent time right. in Minnesota. Absolutely. History, for God's sakes. All right, that's a wrap. Next week, it's the Caesars Palace edition of WrestleMania. Is this the, outdoor? It's an outdoor WrestleMania. That's right, okay. Like, not a stadium. It's just like an outdoor amphitheater area. <laughs> And uh, it's the first Jim Ross appearance in WrestleMania yes. history. Good, oh, old, thank good God. old JR coming into the mix. I love JR so much. But a lot to unpack for next week's WrestleMania. This is where I think WrestleMania 9, for bad reasons, is is now we start to get into the entertaining period here. Like, this is a train wreck WrestleMania, but then we get into WrestleManias that lead into the Attitude Era, oh, and then wait. it's game on, baby. I can't wait. So, all right, that's a wrap on WrestleMania Rewind. World Wrestling Federation proudly presents... WrestleMania! The WWF Champion, Ric Flair, defends the title against the number one contender, the Macho Man, Randy Savage. The maniacal Sid Justice goes one-on-one with the immortal Paul Hogan in what could prove to be Hulk Hogan's farewell match. It's a double main event. It's WrestleMania!